Hello, 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 everyone. This is Nick Zetuni, Head of Operations from Coded Minds. And today, even though I don't have Ronar or Dave helping me, I have a very special person who is an expert of the topic of the day. Lynn, would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Lynn Farnholz. I'm the Executive Director of Business Operations for Coded Minds. Um, but more specifically, I am the head of our early learning and childcare programs. Which is basically the topic of today, folks. The early learning and childcare programs, also known as ELCC. And correct me if I'm wrong, Lynn, but a lot of people sometimes just put all of those things together as a daycare kind of a activity. It, it's a, something that is very natural, I would say, even very important and cultural for uh, our Canadian society here. That's not very common, for example, from where I'm from in Brazil. But uh, Lynn is here to tell us a lot about every bits and pieces that are important about ELCC and how that can enhance your children's development socially, emotionally, and whatnot. So first things first, Lynn, I guess the very first question that I have, even to give our uh, listeners a little bit of a background, what is the ELCC by itself? Well, um, ELCC, um, the Early Learning and Child Care, it's actually a very broad term that encompasses a whole bunch of different um, areas of, of learning and development for children. So it's anywhere from zero to the age of 12. Um, and within that group, there are daycares, which is a lot of people are really familiar with. Um, and then there's also preschool and um, out-of-school care. And out-of-school care is, is where our company has started, actually. Um, out-of-school care is kids in kindergarten through um, grade six, which is usually about four years old up until about uh, 12. Um, and those are standards across Canada for the most part. Um, I know different provinces have different start dates for when their, their kids start going to school. But when essentially when you think of out-of-school care, it's the time frame um, from about, you know, six or seven in the morning until five or six at night um, where the kids aren't in school. So we're kind of that extra parent in that in that respect um, and helping raise uh, the community and making sure that kids are getting the skills that they need so that their parents can contribute to our economy and, um, you know, make that money. And, and we're definitely in a society in North America where um, it is extremely common to have both working parents. So um, ELCC is definitely something that's that's in big need um, across Canada um, because I, I personally don't know a ton of families that are able to afford to keep one parent at home. So um, especially right now with the way things are in, in the country. So it's extremely important. Exactly. And you mentioned so many very important things that I want to touch base on here, Lynn. Uh, and again, because I'm a foreigner. And for me, this whole definition of uh, what a daycare is, what a preschool is, what an out school care is, it's, it's, it's strange, right? It's a cultural shock. So I would like to, to help all the people who actually have the same cultural shock that I had when I first learned about those to understand what each and one of those will actually be doing. So let's start with daycare. Okay. Okay, so daycare, um, generally in Canada, the maternity leave goes for 12 months, but not everybody does the full 12 months. Um, we're extremely lucky in Canada that we have paid maternity leave. It is not the case in the USA that they have that. They have, I think, three months 
um, where the government will support them and help them. But then after their child is three months old, they have to go back into the workforce or try to figure out a way to stay home without having that that income that they had before they had children. So um, Canada is is special um, in that respect. So um, but so a lot of our daycare doesn't start until um, 12 months, but that doesn't mean there aren't some people who um, want to go younger than that. There's lots of women who um, have a child and really want to get back into the workforce right away. So um, it can start right from from infancy. Um, usually goes up to about age four or five, depending on when the child starts um, uh, regular elementary school. Um, and, and the laws in Canada are that, you know, by grade one, you have to start. So that would be age six. So it, daycare can go up to um, age five. Um, and really the focus um, of daycare is to support the, the growth uh, of the children in in fine and gross motor skills. Um, so being able to you know hold a pencil properly, um, understanding uh, how to you know go down a slide. Um, I know those things seem seem funny, but we all learn them. Um, it's not a behavior you, you just know how to do. Um, so that's that's what we focus on it in in those. Um, respects. Um, also, we, we work on the social emotional part of things as well in daycare. Um, so how to play with other children. Um, when a child is up to about the age of two, side-by-side um, -side play is more normal, um, where the children don't necessarily interact with each other yet, but they'll play with a toy next to the child beside them. Totally um, psychologically normal for, for children to do that. After the age of two, they can start to learn um, more interactive skills um, and how, you know, if I push my friend, this is what they're going to do to me, you know? Um, not that we want them to be pushing each other, <laughs> but um, sometimes consequence learning is is. A, a great way to do it you know you learn the hard way and you remember those skills more but um so it depends on the age range and and it is broken up so um with the way the the ratios are let's talk about that for a second um in alberta um we have ratios based on age what that means is the number of children that can uh be with one adult so if you're talking about infants it's actually like three infants to one staff member um because to be honest if you think about it do you really want to have more than three babies that you're looking after at one time not at all I, <laughs> um i would want help after that for sure um and i only had one at a time <laughs> personally <laughs> um and then as the children get older the ratio gets a little bit bigger so it goes all the way up to a one to 15 ratio which is um where kindergartners grade ones grade twos grade threes are they split it up and they they don't do a ton of mixing between because an infant um wouldn't necessarily be able to play with a three-year-old um they just don't mix very well so they keep them kind of segregated into infants toddlers and preschool so those are the three kind of categories that you've got infants go up to the age of 18 months toddlers are 19 to 36 months and then um preschool is um age three to up to age five so um and not to get confused here because um there's a couple of terms and and, and i know that it can be confusing for people when i say preschool aged that doesn't mean that they're in preschool preschool really is preparation for kindergarten like an actual preschool whereas preschool age just defines how old they are so um and that 
plays into daycare. So I know it can get a little confusing. There's so many, (laughs) but those three age groups are within daycare. And then um, out of school care, they put the kindergartners through the grade sixes together. But to be honest, um, to meet their social emotional needs um, as a company, we split them a little bit. So we'll do activities for the younger kids um, and then activities for the older kids. However, it is an excellent opportunity to give leadership skills to the older group by having them help run activities for the younger kids, mm-hmm. like reading buddies. So um, they're really, really good that way. And, and it gives um, children some intrinsic motivation to learn and be better and help others. So, because mm-hmm. we all do better when we help each other. True. So in a nutshell here from what I got, uh, a daycare, it's like a kind of a full work day kind of a situation where parents will just drop their children to be there while they go to work. And then the daycare doesn't have a curriculum, for example. It's literally an environment where children can learn about their uh, interaction with others, about growing, you know, with consequences and whatnot. Is that right? Well, depending on the age group, because... Mm-hmm. Um, we still want to provide them with experiences. So um, when we're talking about some of the toddler groups, we might want to do sensory bin. And what a sensory bin is, is like you might fill a bin with some rice in it and put different objects in it. That's one version. And then the kids can play. Obviously, the adult would be there the whole time to make sure nothing crazy happens because you can imagine a giant bin of rice on the floor. Um <laughs> But it's just giving them an experience on something new or playing at a water table, playing at a sand table, what that feels like, what you can do with it, um, whether you can stack blocks or put them together. So you still are doing a certain amount of curriculum planning based on where the kids are, but it looks more like play. And we use what's called emergent curriculum. And that's actually across the board. It doesn't matter what ELCC category we're talking about. So daycare or out of school care or even preschool, it's centered around what the kids are interested in. So if the kids come in and they're, you know, talking away about how they went on a hike on the weekend with their families, they might, you know, we might go, you know, let's go on a mini hike here and see what we can find out in nature to bring back and build a sensory bin out of, you know, um, or some of the older kids come in and they're really interested in Pokemon. So um, the educators would then go and build an activity that's centered around Pokemon. Because if you build on something the child is already interested in doing, you have way more engagement um, with them so that they're going to learn new things. So there's a balance, but it's learning through play. And the activities that are designed are through play. And most programs focus on what... um, the SPICE model. So SPICE is social, um, physical, intellectual, creative. Emotional? Emotional. Yeah, that's the last one. So those are kind of um, the different aspects that you would pull into an activity. It can be one of those things. It can be all five of those things or any kind of mix in between. Um, Whatever best benefits your kids. Now, that's just one way. There are a load of different um, philosophies um, that you can bring into into childcare. Um, ours that we use at, at Coded Minds, um, we have a focus on the growth mindset. Um, so growth mindset for, I think you guys have talked about this before, yes, in yep. podcast? Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, it's the idea that um, we learn from our failures, um, we keep going, we keep trying in that positive attitude. Um, because, you know, 
the most successful people in the world were huge failures before they became successful. So keeping that in mind and, and knowing that you learn so much more from not succeeding than you do from actually succeeding is, is where it's at. So focusing on the journey and the learning process. So um, that's our biggest part of, of what we do at, at Coded Minds. Um, and that plays really well into the technology part of things as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Most of coding and most of uh, developing, designing, it, it comes down to whatever you're going to do for the first time, most likely is going to be a huge failure. And there's a lot of learning so you can get better. So yeah, technology plays amazingly well in the growth mindset. Yeah. So yeah. great definition, Lynn. And uh, just because I know that, because I understand a little bit of what we do here in the business, right? Uh, daycare is a model, as we just described. And then we have the out-of-school care that usually happens before and after school, but is the, is the same age group in a similar way of doing the activities and whatnot, right? Yes. Um, but as they get older, we have a wonderful opportunity to get the kids involved in starting to plan activities, um, which is amazing. So once they're in school, um, they're, they're old enough to be able to have the conversations with them. So it's not, um, it starts a transition from um, being sort of teacher led, which is what the traditional school system looks like into true child led. So, and that's where we want to go. That's what we want out of this is that children are directing their learning. Um, mm -hmm. We get to do that by the time, you know, we're, you know, 17, 18 years old and we're graduating from high school. We finally get to choose the things that we want to learn. Right. Yeah. Um, but why can't we do that when we're younger? So start exploring some of the concepts um, that are involved with that. So if kids are coming in and starting to talk about um, space travel, let's give them more information about that. Let them explore what space travel really is. I mean, that's a big thing right now, right? Um, going into space and, and quite expensive, but um, maybe by the time these kids are old enough to, to um, participate in something like that, them having this base knowledge of um, what going into space means and uh, why you'd want to do it and space exploration in general, um, it gives them the tools they need at a basic level to start building toward um, big dreams like those. And that growth mindset piece is so important. Like you said, with, with tech, um, it's usually a trial and error for a while to get it going. Um, and then finally you succeed. And even when you do, um, like I, I, I always liken it back to Apple. Um, almost every year there is a brand new iPhone, right? Yep. Because they're never done working on it. They're never done improving and making things better. And that's part of what growth mindset is. So we want to give that to all of the kids that we've got so that um, they can be the big change makers of tomorrow. I have no idea personally how to fix all of the problems that we have in our world. But, but I want to impart some knowledge for these kids so that they can start working on those things, the things they care about. So nature, environment, all of it. Yep. Um, and there are some really passionate little kids out there. Um, if you give them the tools, you'll be amazed at the things they can come up with. Yep. And I think you touch a very important point there, Lynn. As an educator, I personally really like that. That is the exposure, right? Uh, 
even though our educational system is flawed, we do the best that we can with what we have in hands, right? And uh, when you expose children to different areas of knowledge, chances are, if you expose them for a good chunk of time, they will like something. They will get interested in something. And that's the era they might become very proficient in. So without exposure, it's there's no way children will start liking or disliking one specific area, right? So it works both ways. You can yeah. show children a lot of things that they actually don't really connect with, and that's fine. But as soon as you show something that really connects and you start bringing, so like, hey, you can make a difference. You can be the next person who's going to solve whatever problem, right? Yeah. By the time they get older, maybe that thing is still stuck in their minds. And that's when the cogs start turning with better tools that age brings to us, right? And then out of the blue, you have the new entrepreneur in a big company that's doing wonders with the world. So yeah. exposure is very, very important. And it's really good that we can do that here in Coder Minds. Advertising moment. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I wanted to thank you in there. You called yourself an educator and I call all of our staff um, in our childcare programs educators because they are. And I think sometimes um, uh, people forget that um, people think of daycare as babysitters. They're more than that. They're highly educated staff members who go out and make sure that these kids are getting enriched learning experiences. So, um, and, and we have the luxury over and above what a teacher does. A teacher has, um, a teacher that's been, you know, you're, they're in the regular system. They have a set curriculum that they have to follow. They have to make sure the kids reach these goals by the end of their year. And they don't have much um, chance to waver from those things or try different things or go the extra um, there are some amazing teachers who are able to, to fit that in, and I applaud them for that. Um, but as an educator in the ELCC world, we have the luxury of meeting children where they are. Mm -hmm. So if um, we have a child coming in who's in grade two and can't tie their shoes, we have the luxury of being able to spend some time with them to help them learn that fine motor skill. Um, whereas a teacher doesn't. They have to focus on what the curriculum is for a grade two child. So not to say that we don't complement what's going on at school. We definitely do. Um, we love having those conversations with the schools um, to see what they're working on and, and with the kids, what they're working on at school so that we can start bringing those in. We see the kids doing it all the time. Like my own daughter, she's almost six years old. She brings stuff home from school and starts telling us all the fun things she's been doing um, and wants to do more of it here because she's invested in it. So we play on that at um, our childcare programs as well. Yep, yep, beautiful. And just to close up this part of the conversation, Lynn, let's just define a little bit of what the preschool work is in comparison to out of school and uh, daycares. Right. So it is a little, it's kind of a hybrid between what kindergarten will be and what um, daycare is. So it's still learning through play, but the day is a little bit more structured. It's usually pretty short, maybe somewhere between two and three hours, um, either morning or afternoon. And it's really focused on um, kindergarten prep. So kids are learning things like what their colors are, what their numbers are, how to write their name, um, and social interactions, you know, what is appropriate to do, um, you know, how to start managing some of those big emotions, um, and, and how to interact and work with um, adults on an education level um, 
traditional education level. <laughs> um, just so that there's that bridge between going from daycare into kindergarten, because it can be a real shock for some kids. Some kids just adapt and it's great. Um, other kids, they just need that little bit of extra. And I've experienced both sides of it. Um, my son went to preschool and he was ready and on and, and learned all kinds of things. It was really important for him since he um, has ADHD. Um, it was really great for him to learn a lot of those. This is how, what school is going to look like when I start there, but I still get to play a lot. Right. Um, so that's really good for him. Whereas my daughter did not do um, preschool, but it was okay. She's, she's still successful. She may not have needed it, but she's also got this big brother that she keeps trying to emulate. So <laughs> <laughs> Great. So again, I just want to summarize this. Uh, again, I think we, we went through a lot of good things about the LCC and why parents should put their children through daycares or out of school programs or even preschool preparations. But for me, it's for sure, as we mentioned, it's the exposure. Right. Children will be exposed to areas that sometimes they will not be exposed at home. They will not be exposed even at school. And they may discover passions and likes and dislikes that will actually give a little bit of a direction as they grow as people. Right. As little people, little adults, put it that way. Right. Yes. Second one, I think, is the social aspect of it. Coming from a very social country that is Brazil, uh, we kind of learn in, in the hard way or in a pushed way, right? Because you have to interact socially, that this is important and that makes you grow as a person. And whatever ELCC program you go to, children will have that opportunity to see an environment, logistics that are actually different from what they experience in their family unit. Right. And play with consequences, as you said, and exploring the world and other people as they go. Am I missing yeah. something major here? Um, I would I would add one more facet into there. And, and again, maybe a bit of a plug for our company. But <laughs> um, the, the extra that we've brought into the system um, that's above and beyond a traditional ELCC program is the technology and coding and all that extra. Most um, child educators um, that come out of school don't have a huge background in technology or coding or anything like that. We've added this in as an extra um, into our programs. Now, that's not to say that kids sit on a screen all day or play with robots every day. Um, just even knowing that the basics of coding is essentially an instruction to get from point A to point B right? Mm -hmm. um, when you break it down that small, you can, you know, start working with two and three-year-olds um, and starting to learn the concepts of coding because it is an extremely important skill to have as we move forward. And, and with our, you know, new landscape of jobs and how we're moving more into a, a tech industry, even here in Calgary, um, the tech industry is growing. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually, um, I think, I think people have realized in the last, uh, 18 to 24 months that working from home is possible, but you need some extra tech skills to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where our extra focus is, is really important for these kids and learning some of those basics, um, those bits and pieces. And, and they get so excited about it too, because it's almost, um, I'm not going to say quite instant gratification, but how cool is it to be able to write a little string of code and watch a little man do what you told it to do? Like, yeah. I know it seems a bit silly, but the kids get really excited about it. 
But the idea of that, that excitement, that intrinsic motivation of, oh my gosh, I can make something mm-hmm. um, is really, really great for kids. Um, so that that's the extra on top of, of what ELCC is in general. But you're right. I would definitely say the experience is the highest point um, and being able to be social. Um, and especially in the last, you know, 18 to 24 months, um, we've all been kind of anti-social. I mean, even right now, you and I are not in the same room. <laughs> but um, being able to, to give kids that experience and, and be able to um, learn to read people's faces and, and their expressions and hear all of those things are so important yep. because um, it's a huge part of being successful is you need to be able to um, interact with other people um, on a personal level um, to, to understand what the other person is going through. So um, I'd say that's probably the biggest part of, of um, sending your child to a a daycare or preschool um, out of school care. It's not just that you're giving your child a leg up on their future, um, you know, as in traditional education, but you're also giving them those social emotional skills to be an excellent citizen um, for our future. Yep. Perfect. Now I have a, I have a situation here that I want to share and you're going to be solving it for me. Okay. I know okay. you will because you're that good. So I am a parent and I am one of those very, you know, like sheltering, bubbly parents that don't want their children to be exposed, you know, bad experiences. I don't want them to, you know, have, I don't know, I I don't want to bring a babysitter to my house because the babysitter might do something wrong with my children. And I am very skeptical that, for example, any daycares or out-of-school cares will actually do a good job. Is there any organ out there that can bring to me a peace of mind saying that if you put your child into this program, we're going to follow a minimum set of qualities? And most importantly, can we as parents find uh, information about those organs? Organs. Yeah. Like, is there like an institution, something from the government or something that will be... Um, so there's, um, there's been a lot of change in the ELCC world in the last, um, couple of years. So Alberta used to have, um, what was called accreditation. So accreditation was, um, um, a yearly program that would come in and double check to make sure that our programs were, um, all following, um, a grand set of standards that we were doing everything appropriately. Um, but the government, of course, in, in their efforts to reduce costs and all of that, they got rid of that program. However, to replace it, they've taken the traditional childcare licensing, and it is required for any program to have um, a license to look after children if they've got them for more than 12 weeks, just FYI. Um, if you're looking for those, they all um, exist on the government of Alberta website, um, at least the ones in Alberta and most other provinces in Canada have um, a system where they track theirs as well and have some sort of licensing. Yeah. Uh, and it and and we all have um, licensing officers that come and do drop in checks and um, just to make sure everything's going well. Um, and if there's ever a complaint about uh, the program or an investigation, that is all public knowledge on, on what that was about, as long as it doesn't get into uh, specifics of privacy. Um, so it's not gonna tell you who was investigated or any of that kind of stuff. It's just going to tell you that there was. Um, so it is a way to double check before you 
sign up for any program, um, how this program is doing, how long it's been going, um, and um, how often they get checked in on. Um, so, and, and the licensing has now actually incorporated um, a lot of the accreditation standards into it. So licensing is now harder to achieve than it used to be, um, which is a good thing. And licensing also includes things like um, um, health inspections. So the health inspector comes to double check to make sure that the program is healthy and ready for kids to have. The fire inspector has to come and make sure that it's a safe place to be. Um, and then the licensing inspector comes to make sure that all of the staff who are there have the credentials that they need to look after children, including first aid, um, as, as well as that the, the physical space is set up and designed so that it's, um, ready for kids. And then after you get your license, they come back to double check things to make sure that um, the interactions between the adults and the children are um, are good and, and that everything is, is going the way that it should be. And they get into things like medications and um, communication and child files, just to make sure that really these kids are looked after. We're all on the same side. We want these kids to get the best possible experience they possibly can. Um, the one last thing that is a requirement for every staff member, um, just so that everyone knows, and this is this is true all over Alberta, it doesn't matter what um, type of um, program you've got, daycare or um, preschool, whatever, um, every staff member must have a police check with a vulnerable sector. That tells um, whether or not the person has had any issues in the past um, criminally that um, may prevent them from working with, with uh, vulnerable sectors such as children. So it is required of every staff member um, that they have that and it's current according to the, the licensing standards. So there is a huge manual um, of, of Terms. If you, if anybody ever wants to, you know, look at the laws and see if if they um, to understand things better, what the ratios are, all of the rules that we have to follow. Um, it's called the Early Learning um, Child Care Act in Alberta. Perfect. So not only for all the parents that are listening here, not only the company, of course, if we're gonna pick a company to do your child care uh, in any level there. The company, of course, will do all the advertising as they should about like, hey, we're good. We can do this. We're going to take care of your children. But you also can look into the licensing part to see if the program is licensed because if the program is, then you're going to have people who are experts in making sure that the program is viable and it's in good stand for you to leave your children. And you're going to have people, you know, checking on, not only staff, but the environment and even the programming. So the way childcare is structured here in uh, Alberta, and I think I can expand that to all Canada, is in the way to make sure that parents and their children will be safe if they go to a licensed program. Yes. Very much so. Um, the other thing that has just come, this is this is brand new this year, that the Licensing Act just was revised February 1st, 2021. Um, so we're just now working through all of the paperwork that comes with that. And I'm sure many people can appreciate government paperwork takes forever. <laughs> um, but one of the things that they've requested of us is a brand new program plan. And a program plan really tells what the program's intentions are, 
what the rules are at this program and how they're meeting all of the standards that exist in the childcare licensing. So if you're looking for an excellent childcare facility, ask them for their program plan so that you can review it because it is a public document and you can look at it. Um, good, um, excellent childcare facilities um, will also likely have a website where you can physically see what the space looks like uh, beforehand um, and possibly even have copies of their license, their fire inspection, um, their health inspection, all those things available to you to see beforehand. It is a requirement for, for a childcare program to have them posted at their program. Um, but as we're moving into a digital age, I know our company has done this, we're moving into having them on our mm -hmm. website so that anybody going and doing this research ahead of time, they can physically see what the program looks like and see all of our credentials before they even talk to us, um, just to see what it's going to be to be like um, and what they're going to get out of this. Um, no one should be hiding that information. Um, and if they are hiding that information, then take the bad feeling and get out. Yeah. <laughs> For us to close up our conversation, Lynn, it's been amazing. I'm going to give you another scenario, and I'm pretty sure you're going to have the solution. So I am from a different country. Let's say I'm not, not Canadian. I just arrived in Canada. And of course, I'm going to get a job. And of course, I have two children, and I have no idea what to do with them. And just because I just arrived, I don't have enough money to pay for those programs. Is there anyone in the country, the province, that can actually help me in a financial way to put my children into a program? Yes, um, there are childcare subsidies. Almost every province has something set up for this. In Alberta, we have the childcare subsidy, um, and it is uh, for any um, person living in Alberta that um, needs to put their child in care, whether they're going to school whether they're going, they're working, um, as long as they meet the criteria. So I believe the criteria was just changed over the summer. Um, the maximum right now, if, if you make um, $90,000 um, a year or less, um, you can be eligible for um, a childcare subsidy. They also do make some um, allowances um, for families who might not meet all of their criteria, but if you talk to them, they are people. It's, it's one of my favorite um, branches of the government, actually, because um, they truly do want to help to make sure that people get what they need. Um, subsidy can go, you know, anywhere from $1,000 a month um, down to, you know, $200 a month, depending on where you fall and how old your child is. The younger the child, the more the subsidy. Um, often there, there might even be programs at the ELCC um, facility that does some extras to help support people in with payments, maybe split payments or um, being able to pay flexible when you pay in the month. Um, and I know that that our company does our very best to make sure that those subsidies um, information are given to families. The hardest part of it for a family, honestly, is going and doing the application and it's all online, which is amazing. And from there on out, the company takes over and does the submissions every month and then they get the money and all they should be doing is charging the family the difference if there is any. There we go. So I know that for a fact and the reason why I asked the question because a lot of my foreigner friends, they usually like, oh no, my wife's going to stay home and you know, take care of the kids. But then they often complain that like, yeah, but we need more money. So there is a way for us to make 
two parents working and then someone highly specialized with a system that works, that does its best to take care of children, to be there with your children, you know, and you can go there, work, make money for the government so we can make money for ourselves and everyone, yeah. country and people will just keep the country growing and, you know, growing ourselves financially as well. And even even the government does support um, if you're, you know, you don't have a job yet, you're not making any money and you go to them and say, look, I'm trying to find a job, but I have this child. I can't go to job interviews. They support subsidy on that one, too. So they'll give you um, a temporary subsidy for a few months to help you find that job. Um, so they obviously don't want parents sitting at home doing nothing while their kids in daycare. Um, but to become an active um, participant in our economy, they do give them that that leeway of a few months to, to be able to find something um, while somebody's actively and and looking after actively looking after their child um, effectively for them. And for all our Canadian listeners here, I'm pretty sure most of them can vouch for the system. It's working. It's good. We have a lot of parents in our programs who often compliment what we're doing and really, really appreciate all the efforts we put. But if you're a foreigner like me and you never heard of anything like it, just because I have been working with a company and I've seen those things, you know, very close, I would say to give it a shot. I know in Brazilian culture, the wife should stay home, should take care of children. And there is a lot of benefits to it conversation for a different podcast but there's <laughs> also a lot of benefits of you immersing your children into the culture allowing the children to have those interactions because again new country new rules new culture new standards and there's no best way to learn those from the baseline from the bottom that is for example in this specific yep. case childcare. Yep. And, and childcare really should be celebrating all of those cultures anyways. It's, it's part of our standards is to, you know, celebrate each child and what they bring with them um, or each educator as well and, and share those bits and pieces so that we can really understand where each other are coming from. So it's, it's an opportunity for, you know, someone new to the country to be able to share their past experience with other people um, as well. So it's kind of exciting that way. Yep. Well, that's it for me. Uh, at the end, I'll just like making a quick summary, Lynn, since it's your first time here. So I'm going to make my quick summary of all of this and then you do yours. Okay. So for me, for you all listeners, yes, whatever program you're going to be putting your child into, uh, it's like uh, after school care, uh, before school care, kindergarten, you know, like even the daycare experiences are amazing. So there is a lot to be gained from the children. You as a parent got a little bit of time to do whatever you need to do as well. And it's a very safe system. Not saying that situations might not happen. They will. They happen everywhere. But all the, the, the pieces are in place to prevent or to assist when something happens. And most importantly, which is very important for foreigners like me, the government does help financially if you need some. So go out there, sign up, and, you know, just enjoy a little bit of the system since you have it. <laughs> what about you, Lynn? What are your thoughts on everything that we talked so far? Um, I, would, I would say always do some research, ask lots of questions. Um, the more questions you ask, the more you're going to learn about the program um, and what it could do for you and your child. Um, and most places will allow you to do some trials. 
So if it's something you're interested in um, and, and you're not, you know, 100% sure if this is going to work for your child or if it's the right fit for you, um, most places will, you know, say, look, well, why don't you come and try it for a week? And, and we'll see how it goes um, and, and get that experience in there. Um, I'd say that's probably my, my best piece of advice on all of it. But um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to leave uh, links for the subsidy part and for a government website that you can search for uh, ELCC providers. We are going to be there, so search for us as well. And hopefully that was very helpful for parents, foreigners, and people who are interested in the educational area alike. And with that in mind, my friends, this is Nick Zetuni, over and out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you guys next time.